Happy Monday, everyone. It is Monday, August 31st. You're watching Covfefe Break on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I am joined by Carrie Smith, or I will be joined by Carrie Smith momentarily. I'm normally joined by Carrie Smith right away, but today her computer decided to do an update right before the show. So uh, she will be with us in just a few moments. I've been texting with her. So um, welcome for those of you who are new. Uh, Covfefe Break is a live show we do every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So uh, we we do try and pay attention to chat a little bit more during during those shows and sometimes kind of let you guys drive a little bit if we, if we can. And in addition to that, we have Deprogrammed, which is a show that we Really featuring Carrie, where we focus on her old ideology, her social justice ideology, and and then we do other shows, other random shows, whenever we can. So, um, in fact, today we are interviewing um, someone I think you guys will be really interested in. Um, it is uh, the guy from Sandia National Labs, and we'll put that out hopefully tomorrow, but we're going to talk to him today. So, uh, if you'd like to support the show... I'd really appreciate it if you go to unsafespace.com. You can go to the donate page there if you want. You can also, uh, that'll direct you to Subscribestar, or you can just go to Subscribestar directly. You can buy merch. You can use Bitcoin, Ether, whatever you want. So I uh, really appreciate it. And I do have to make an announcement. I I don't know if I misspoke, but I definitely wrote something incorrectly on the book club Um page. Let me pull it up just to make sure that it's correct now because I think I fixed it. So every month we do a book club. We try and alternate between fiction and nonfiction. You can actually join the book club if you want and be part of the Zoom discussion. Uh, and last month we did Atlas Shrugged. We just did Atlas Shrugged. Our next book is Human Diversity by uh, Dr. Charles Murray. Now, I think I might have said it was on the 23rd in the past. If I did, I misspoke. It's on the 27th. For some reason, this image isn't showing up. The next one's going to be Screw Tape Letters, uh, which will be on October 18th. So those are the, the next two books coming up. And uh, if you're interested in book club, join us there. We have a lot of cool discussions. In fact, um, that book club is how we met Dr. K. She was in our book, our book club before she became famous famous person that she is now. So uh, I think that's all the housekeeping out of the way. I think Carrie will join in a moment, but there's a few things that I I can cover without her if you guys uh, want. So one of them is I want to just do an update on a few things. So uh, I, I talked about Kyle Rittenhouse on Friday, and I talked about the criminal background of some of the people that were involved, two of them are now deceased and one of them was just shot. Uh, I hope I made it clear, but maybe I didn't, that the criminal back, their criminal backgrounds aren't, uh, you know, my support of his actions during the riots were not contingent upon the criminal backgrounds of those people. But I also said correctly that I, in fact, did the research myself to find the backgrounds on some of these people. And... Uh, a really weird thing has happened since I did, uh, and I, we put links to those uh, that criminal background stuff in the show notes, but since the show on Friday, or since I originally did some of the research, things have been disappearing, and I don't know, <laughs> I'm not like super into conspiracy theory, I don't know what's going on exactly, uh, but the page for 
the registered sex offender database for Rosenbaum is gone. Now, maybe it's because he's deceased and they're just very efficient at getting rid of people um, in their database. Uh, one of the other links that documented his his uh, class three felony for sex abuse was gone. I did have the foresight, though, to capture a screenshot of me scrolling through one of the websites that captured this information. Uh, because when I realized stuff was starting to come down, I realized, hey, maybe, you know, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but hey, maybe there's <laughs> something going on. So I'll just play, let me just play this one for you. Um, just to, to demonstrate that I'm not just taking, I, I wasn't just using like Twitter images that <laughs> like, this is me. Going through this is a this is this is the bail bonds hq.com. This is Arizona website, a bail bonds website. This is the guy. Looks like the same guy. This is information. I don't know if it's still up, but it was. But this is a movie of me scrolling through. <laughs> There's his details. Uh right, here's all of his stuff. He's sexual conduct with the minor. There's his crimes. He serves time. It's all here. This isn't made up. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. Um, if if there is some kind of weird conspiracy happening, it's that it's being this information is being taken down. I guess if you want to claim it's a right-wing conspiracy, you could claim that all of these sites are manufacturing this information and then quickly taking it down. I don't know, but uh, anyway, that is a it is a real thing. I stand by what I said about the uh, the people on Friday, and uh, I'm not deterred by claims that this is photoshopped or that it's not real. It is real, I saw it with my own eyes, and I can't help the fact that it's being taken down. So, uh, someone mentioned in chat, conspiracy theory is a term the CIA invented to discredit critical thinkers. That is true, Tanya. That is, that is the origin of conspiracy theory. And I thank you for saying it was a smart move. I I was not smart enough though. I should have I should have done this beforehand, right? I should have videoed me uh, doing the original one. But let's see. Hold on, Carrie's calling, so let's let's answer. We're going to be joined by Carrie in just a moment. All right. Hi. This is there. This she is. is. My phone. <laughs> Hi, Carter. This is my phone. I'm actually. When my computer's done updating, I'll swap. I'll switch over, but it's going to take a little bit. Okay. Well, we were just we did some housekeeping, Carrie, and uh, and I went through the only other thing I talked about so far was that there's been reports that uh, some of the criminal history of of Rosenbaum was not true because it's been taken down. He's not in the registered sex offender database. Um, so I, I talked about that a little bit because oh. it's been it's disappeared. Uh, he was, um, yeah. Interesting. So, um, but as I said earlier, uh, that neither justifies uh, nor excuses uh, any behavior. It's unrelated to the legitimacy of Kyle Rittenhouse's behavior. Um, as is the video of Kyle. Allegedly, there's a video also of Kyle. You, I think you saw this, Carrie, because you sent it to me, right? I think you you're the one who sent it to me, right? Yes. Yeah, there's a there's a video going around Go now that says that um, there's a video that claims to show him in uh, in a fist fight or in a fight 
with a group of people the day before where he is hitting a woman who is hitting another woman. And it looks like him to me, but I mean, I don't know, but it does, it it does appear to be him. Yeah. I think I, I don't know that it's him, but it does appear to be him. Um, and the narrative that I've heard about this, which I'm not sure is true either, because I don't even know if it's him, but is that the the girl he was hitting the was the taller of the two, and she was attacking the smaller of the two, which which is purport like reportedly his sister. So hmm. like she was attacking his sister, and he was attacking her. I don't know if that's true. I don't like the truth is. I, I don't think that we tried to claim that Kyle was a hero. We tried to claim that his actions were appropriate on Friday, not that he was some hero to worship. So maybe he's got some skeletons in his closet too. It doesn't it, well, it doesn't make anything it doesn't have anything to do with the behavior on Friday. What? Or on the So what? I wasn't there when you talked about him and I've mm-hmm. since watched some more videos and I heard what you said about it and I went mm-hmm. through the shots and everything trying to figure out what I think. And and I'll just say, this is one of those things where I don't want to have to have an opinion. I was hoping I wouldn't have to figure out what I think about this guy, Kyle Rittenhouse. But right. now we're living in an age where before there's even a trial, we're supposed to come up with a public opinion. What is our public opinion? And people are denouncing one another on social media for, you know, if you don't have if you're on this side of it, you have the wrong opinion. If you're on this side, you have the right opinion. And and I, I hate all of that. We're not experts. I, I'm not privy to all the details. Um, based on what you presented and what I saw in some other videos, including Tim Pool's video about it, uh, I think he was acting in self-defense. But I will say, with a nuanced opinion, I also think going there, and I, I realize he works in Wisconsin. I've since read that he's he worked in Wisconsin as a lifeguard and he was asked by the business owner to come defend the business because it had been torched the night before. Right. Um, and even if all of that is true, I still think someone who goes there with a gun, th- there's a part of that personality type that's looking for confrontation. And in my opinion, it doesn't mean that he wasn't, it doesn't mean that he didn't act in self. I, I definitely, like I said, I think he acted in self-defense in the video footage that was shown when he shot the people who were attacking him. But I do agree, and I will concede the point to anyone who's trying to say, you know, he's looking for something. Yeah, I think there's a personality type that looks for confrontation, and I recognize it because I have some of that in me. And sometimes and I have to try and keep that in check. And uh, so, so I, you know, was he in a fight the day before? Maybe. It would line up with my opinion that it's probably someone who is – looking for trouble put it that way yeah i i i kind of agree with you that i don't like having to have opinions about um this kind of stuff i think i was clear that it was a moral opinion based on evidence and that stuff could change not a legal opinion right um but i like i would be happy to live in a society where in which we didn't like there wasn't opinions floating around about this and we just went to like, okay, fine. We went to trial and, and, and that's fine, but we're not, we're in a society in which all of the victims were portrayed as heroes by the mainstream media and he was vilified. And so, so yeah, I rushed to his moral defense because he deserves to have someone rush to his moral defense because I don't think he's been like, it's been, he's been inaccurately characterized or his, his behavior was the thing where I'll depart from you though is, uh, 
Well, I don't know about the personality. Maybe I don't depart from you. Like maybe there's a personality thing. Fine. Um, I I don't like the idea that having a weapon. So look, volunteering to help protect property is admirable. I think that's admirable. Uh, I don't think it's looking for a fight. I think it's admirable. Um, uh, we that that's <laughs> that's what you ask of. That's what you ask of people in society is like you ask that some people help protect the property when the police aren't doing that job. Like that's an admirable thing to do. And I don't like the idea that because he brought a gun, it changes something. I don't like the idea that in order to be moral or, or to be considered virtuous, you must be helpless. Uh, of, of course he brought a gun. He brought a gun. Because, wait, you're muted. I can't, if you're, I think you're disagreeing, well, but I can't saying- hear you. Okay. Just yeah. to be clear, I'm not basing it solely on the fact that he brought a gun. I just, it, I think his personality type, and and we can all point to people in, um, you know, who make headlines with with confrontations where there, I think there is something in all of us, and maybe it's more pronounced in some of us than others, where um, especially when we feel that some uh, that there's a moral wrong being committed or that it could be committed, like in this case, these rioters and looters destroying people's businesses, which is morally wrong. There are some people who, um, when they feel like there's something wrong being committed, are the first to run. They don't run from confrontation. They, in fact, maybe seek it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, I agree that there are personality types that do that. My only pushback is that's not a bad thing. We need people willing to seek confrontation because otherwise the evil people who want to confront always win. We can't constantly run away from confrontation. We need those are like that. Those are acts of heroes that run into the battlefield that like that's what people that's that's just a good quality. It's a necessary quality. And not no, everyone in society people, needs some it. Some people no, but sometimes that personality creates the battlefield. Sometimes. I'm not saying he did. Right. I'm just saying sometimes that personality looks for. Um, they, they escalate instead of de-escalating. You know, that guy you had on, for example, Steve, we talked about tactics mm-hmm. and he, we said, what would you do? And we gave some real life scenarios. What would you do in the case of the confrontation that went viral of the right. white couple in the car? They went to Chipotle and they got the woman got cornered by a, a black woman and her daughter because she, uh, according to them, accidentally bumped up against her when she was leaving Chipotle. Okay, and in that scenario, the mother ran behind the car and hit the car, preventing them from leaving, and then the white woman got out and pulled a gun and said she feared for her safety. And we asked him in that situation, what would you do? And your friend was saying, you know, with all of my training, what I am trained to do the most, the number one thing is to de-escalate and to try to prevent situations from escalating and to walk away or to leave. And so we were saying, well, how would you leave if you're in that car and you're being blocked? You know, we were we were asking him, how would you de-escalate in that situation? How would you leave? All right. I'm saying is there is a certain personality type, and I don't know if he is or not, but I will grant to people who think that maybe he is, Maybe he is. Maybe he's the type who who could, um, instead of de-escalating, ramp things up. I'm not. I'm not trying to convict him, Carter. I'm not. I don't. No, no, think no. He did. I, 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 I'm yeah. just like. There's a. There's a difference here, though. Uh, 
the goal with the conversation with Steve was personal protection and like it's a rational thing to de-escalate and leave. But we do need people in society who see looting and see destruction of property and say, I will confront that looting. I will put my life on the line and confront that. I am willing to stand up for that and do that. That's not a bad quality. And so like, I just, no, it I'm, could be, it could be a bad, like it can be, I'm just saying it's a neutral quality. Like willingness to go into confrontation is a, is not necessarily a bad quality. It can be I a agree. good quality. That's what I'm saying. Well, well I, we agree there. So. Okay. All right. Well, now we sorted that nuance out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like, I don't. By the way, you can't have nuanced opinions like this on Facebook. I mean, I had a friend, <laughs> a friend I uh, really appreciate and respect who, because things are so heated lately, I guess, and we, we're just so used to um, people taking very polarized positions that because I shared a link to your video, someone was asking, I, I don't know the facts. Actually, Mike Harlow was asking, I don't know all the facts. Can somebody point me? You know, one group is saying this, one group is saying this. Can somebody point me to a breakdown of what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse? And I said, well, here's the video where Carter discussed it, started the 13 mark, minute mark, whatever. And so I had a friend who was sort of like, well, I'm disappointed that you're one of the people uh, defending him. I'm like, you, I haven't even had a chance to defend him you yet. I'm just anything. sharing the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't have nuance, you know, and if I even tried to pull apart what I was thinking in a Facebook thread, I wouldn't be able to do it without offending lots of different people. I'm like, I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I much prefer having these conversations with you on the show, like face to face, well, as close as we can get to face to face, because then it can help, it helps me figure out what I think about things. And it's not always this cut and dry, you know, what this camp or that camp, you know? Right. Right. Uh, yeah, there is a, there is a, Shocker, lack of nuance on social media, but yeah. whatever. Um, I don't care. There's a there's a few things we could talk about today. Um, I I suspect you might want to talk about the looting NPR thing, which I have. I have the oh, article. Oh yeah, up. Um, pull this up. Do you want to do this? Okay, this is yeah. Um, because go ahead. Here's why I think this is important, and this can be useful to those of you who are new to our channel and not familiar with. My background, I, I was a social justice warrior for 20 years. I pushed social justice ideology. And we talk quite a bit about how it has roots in Marxism. And you can see it in the language that they use. They talk about the, they view everything as the oppressor or the oppressed, just like Marxism, except instead of being about class, it's about identity. It's about power. So instead of saying that the, the best way to look at the world is as a struggle for wealth between class groups, they say the best way to look at the world is as a struggle for power between identity groups. But otherwise, they use all the same language, all the same Marxist rhetoric, and they also believe in forcibly redistributing power <laughs> uh, in the same way that Marxists have all believed in forcibly redistributing wealth. And so um, even as recently as this week, and one of our viewers, uh, Laura, was in this conversation with me. Um, there was a friend of hers who, even as recently as, as this week, there are people who, when you start to explain what social justice ideology really is, they will push back on the Marxist origins. And mm. they will try to claim it has no Marxist, no relation to Marxism at all, even though the BLM founders have admitted to being trained Marxists on camera. I didn't need them to admit that to know that it was had roots in Marxism, but I'm glad they did because maybe it will help convince people like this guy who need it right in front of their face. But the reason I like this story that you're about to pull up is because for those people who need 
a literal presentation of Marxism right in front of them, maybe this will help them to better see some of the Marxist roots of this belief system. This piece is about property. Yep. So, and actually, this is not even about power redistribution. It's pretty, pretty much the same as any Marxist would <laughs> would argue. It's yeah. property redistribution. So, here we are at NPR. Great place. Aren't you glad we fund NPR with your tax dollars? One author's argument in defense of looting. Okay. All right. In the past months of demonstrations for Black Lives Matter, there have been a lot of hand-wringing about looting. So, by the way, I, I highlighted hand-wringing just like... Okay, so they're already setting this tone like people are being overly dramatic about looting. It's not a big deal, guys. It's yeah. just looting, right? It's just hand-wringing. Look at that. Look at that word. I'm glad you highlighted that. Right. They're dismissing it right away. Oh, why, why are you, you hand-wringing? You're like a church lady hand-wringing about kids using bad words. It's just looting. Right, <laughs> right. So they, they, they cite a few, you know, Andrew Cuomo says it's inexcusable, Mayor... Melvin Carter says they're destroying our community. Um, police officers, government officials, and pundits alike have bemoaned the property damage and bemoaned. demanded an end to the riots, right? <laughs> All right, so... They bemoaned it. Right. And just this week, rioters have burned buildings uh, and looted stores in Kenosha. Okay. So, writer Vicki Osterweil, uh, a.k.a., just, just for those of you who, who wonder about this, not that this isn't, you know, not that it matters. This, this is not a, um, it's not germane to tearing this apart, but it's not germane, it's but, but Willie off Willie for AKA Willie Osterwheel, a trans woman who hasn't is now Vicky Osterwheel and is in, is married to basically a real life version of Titani McGrath, um, who, whose name <laughs> is Sophie Lewis, Sophie Lewis, by the way, just to, you know, just these are the this is the the person she's married to, or I don't know, married, whatever, living with, writes things like this. Cyborg uterine geography, complicating care and social reproduction. I'm just gonna read the first <laughs> sentence of the abstract. Most geographers have sided with cyborgs, techno-natural subjects, against goddesses, e.g. Mother Earth, on questions of embodiment. So, you know, that those are the kind of dinner conversations that happen. Anyway, let's get back to <laughs> let's get back to Vicky. By the way, and and Vicky, formerly Willie, Vicky's Twitter handle is Vicky something underscore A C A B, which means right. all cops are bastards. Yeah, I part of me, Carrie, part of me actually wonders if these two are just. I don't think they are, but part of me just wonders if this is just a big joke they're playing on everyone. It's like a multi-year prank. <laughs> they're just like. Willie just put on a wig and wrote a book. Anyway. Uh, okay, so writer Vicki Osterwill's book In Defense of Looting came out on Tuesday. When she finished it back in April, she wrote, rather presciently, that a new energy of resistance is building across the country. Well, at least she made a very uh, specific and predictable prediction, like a predi very specific and, and uh, unusual prediction that can be verified as now she's prescient because she's talked about energy of resistance. Uh, now, as protests and riots continue to grip cities, she argues that looting is a powerful tool to bring about real lasting change in society. 
that actually might be true. Maybe, maybe it is a tool. Can I just can I just uh, make one point here? Now mm-hmm. remember, social justice ideologues, social justice Marxists, uh, simultaneously are telling us that words and silence are violence, but looting, looting a is a powerful tool to bring about change. Right. <laughs> The riders who smash windows and take items from stores, she says, are engaging in a powerful tactic that questions the justice of law and order and the distribution of property and wealth in an unequal society. Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. It it does question the justice of law and order. And it does question the distribution of property and wealth in an unequal society. Those are true. Um, <laughs> in the same way that Ted Bundy questions the validity of ownership of your own body. Uh, I guess <laughs> like he's just questioning the validity of self-ownership. You know, yeah. You know, serial murder is just a powerful <laughs> tactic to question the distribution of self ownership over your body and your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> so NPR, uh, using your hard earned money spoke with Osterwill about this summer's riots. Cause this is the thing that you want to know. This is why you work through, um, you know, the first three, four months, depending on how high your taxes are. Uh, this is why you work the th- first three or four months of every year just to pay the government so they can fund wars against people you don't know and have never met and NPR so she can ask these important questions on your behalf. I spoke with Austria about the summer's riots, the common narrative surrounding looting and why, quote, nonviolence can be a misleading term. Oh, oh, interesting. Oh. Our convers- <laughs> conversation was edited. Okay, here we go. For people who haven't read your book, please no one read the book. She doesn't need any money, uh, unless you can get it for free. How do you define looting? When I use the word looting, I mean the mass expropriation of property, mass shoplifting during a movement of upheaval or upheaval or riot. That's the thing I'm defending. I'm not defending any situation in which property is stolen by force. This is interesting. It's not a home invasion either. It's about a certain kind of action that's taken during protests and riots. So this is interesting. Okay, pause it. Pause yeah. it. Can I ask you? Yeah. Um, so this person seems to be saying that they are for, can you, wait a minute, can you scroll down just, a, I mean, scroll up just a little so I can read yeah. that top part again? Okay. I mean the mass expropriation of property, mass shoplifting during a moment of upheaval or right. By the way, this is for anyone connecting the dots. This is very Marxist in origin. Again, this is about redistributing wealth and property in this case. Yep. So um, she's saying she's cool with shoplifting, mass shoplifting during a riot, mass expropriation of property, which means theft, which mm-hmm. means stealing. And then goes on to and says, that's what I'm defending, but then says, but I'm not defending any situation in which property is stolen by force. Yes, you are. You just did. It's just that you renamed stolen by force expropriation of property. <laughs> yeah, so this I is mean, a, a, th- this is weird because her philosophical argument here is if you're holding an item, and I and I think this is what she's saying, if you're holding an item and I forcefully rip it out of your hand, that's force. But if you put it down on the table and I steal it and run, that's not force anymore. Uh, <laughs> like your private property is only what you're holding or maybe what's in your home, but anything you have in a store that you happen to own is not yours anymore. I don't I don't really she's not going to get into the philosophy cuz there is no defense for this position philosophically, but 
Uh, Notice again how they change language. They they are all about redefining things and trying to make things sound pseudo academic, pseudo intellectual, so that average Joes are like, I guess I just don't understand mass expropriation of property and how it's different from stealing something by force. <laughs> I guess I'm not smart enough to understand this postmodern art over here, for example. No, no, Joe, you're smart enough that. That art sucks. And Joe, you're smart enough. Mass expropriation of property is the same thing as stealing something by force. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see more of this psychology later in this article. It's a really weird, it's a really just demented view of the world. But okay. So then, you know, you can't talk about, you can't be a good social justice warrior without making something racist. So here we go. Looting is a highly racialized word from its very <laughs> inception in the English language. Oh, really? Wow. Maybe she's going to justify this by telling us that the word looting was used uh, to describe anything that some other race did or whatever. I don't know. We'll see. What is the origin? It's taken from Hindi, loot, which means goods or spoils, and it appears in an English colonial officer's handbook. Uh, <laughs> that's not a justification right. for it being a racialized word. It was used in another culture to mean spoils, and some officer wrote it down in his handbook. Every so by this, by I love this by this standard. Anything that any douchebag wrote in his handbook during the 19th century <laughs> is a racialized word because some dude wrote it down in his handbook. I'm going to write social justice in the handbook, and will it be racialized at that point? Um. All right. So the next question. During the uprisings this past summer, rioting and looting have gone, often gone hand in hand. Can you talk about the distinction you see between the two? Rioting, answer it, rioting generally refers to any moment of mass unrest or upheaval. Riots are a space in which massive people has produced a situation in which the general laws that govern society no longer function. And people can act in different ways. <laughs> so, uh, uh, let's just... Look, this sounds all very milk toast, but let's let's just put this in regular English. Rioting is a situation in which police can't enforce laws and people can kill, murder and steal. Like that's what act in different ways means kill, act against the law and like, steal. Yeah. Right. Act they can do things. The right. Like yeah. if you don't like the laws, you don't like you can change the laws, but her her rioting is like oh rioting is this is this lovely time in which we're allowed to just suspend the laws of morality and do whatever we want we can act in different ways i mean what a la I, this bothers me so much I, again <laughs> ted bundy is just acting in different ways than everyone else i'm just right <laughs> hey hey your honor i was just acting in a different way that's all i was doing i was just I'm not like a murderer. I was just acting in a different way. <laughs> Don't you understand? <laughs> <sighs> okay. All hey, right. By the way, uh, don't call Ted Bundy a cannibal because I'm pretty sure it has it has it's racist rhetoric to use that word cannibal. Oh really? I'm kidding. Oh. I'm <laughs> it is if I write it down in a handbook. Uh, all right. Often, looting is more common among movements that are coming from below. 
I mean, I don't, I can't think of movements that come from above really other than I guess me too, but sure. It tends to be an attack on a business, a commercial space, maybe a government building, taking those things that would otherwise be commodified and controlled and sharing them for free. (laughs) 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 I, you know what? My wife kind of wants a Tesla and I was thinking (laughs) maybe, maybe I could just go share one for free. I could go to the lot and share one for free with my wife. What do you think? You could act in a different way and share it. I could. (laughs) Yeah. I could go act in a different way. All right. Can you talk about writing as a tactic? What are the reasons people deploy it as a strategy? Now, the answer actually, uh, she's actually answering as if the question was about looting. So it's a little bit weird, but she's talking about looting. It does a number of important things. It gets people what they need for free immediately. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I, I, wow. Now, by the, way, by the way. By the way, I, pause. Yeah. No, wait, wait. Go ahead. She says, this person says, it gets people what they need for free, which is interesting because most of the looting videos I've seen are people carrying out multiple boxes of expensive sneakers and game systems. Oh, and don't worry, she argues against about, you later for that one. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not about what you, quote, need. Are they looting bread yet? Are people looting milk? Are people looting water I mean, just the use of that word is amazing to me. It gets people what they need for free immediately. (laughs) I mean, okay, yeah. All right. You know what I need? A Tesla. I need, need, well, I was actually going to just, I was going to up the ante. I need a much smaller government now. How do I get that for free? That's what I want. Okay. Which means they're capable of living and reproducing their lives without having to rely on jobs or a wage. Okay, so this is this is this this isn't even Marxism. So I, I it's Marxism, sure, but it's not even this is less intelligent than Marxism. Um, because Marxists I just I just want to pause here for a second, Carrie. Yeah. Marx is wrong. I think Marxist philosophy is evil. Like it's based on evil philosophy and, and like bad premises. But he at least pretends that I like he thinks that people will be better off somehow producing things for, in like some sort of community way. Like, oh, we like we we do have to work and like do stuff. It's just you know we're gonna all to each according to his need from each according to his ability. Like we're, yeah, we're, we're going to all work together, yeah. but we are working. We're working together. This is, this is childlike. If that's an insult to children. This is like, this is, it's a, it's a fantasy world where people are capable of living and reproducing their lives. I don't know what reproducing your life is, cloning yourself without having to rely on jobs or a wage. Now, that sounds an awful lot like not having to do anything, which we'll get to in a moment because she gets into this a little bit. But like, there's this and stamping. and, and then here's the thing is that and it's living off of and it's it's taking for granted 
that there will be a producer class of people who continue to work and who continue to produce things and that you can live off of the fruits of their labor for free without having to produce anything to trade with them or whether to to trade money with them or to trade your services with them, that you don't have to do anything because you can act in another way, meaning steal from them by force. But it, but you need them. In, in even in her fantasy world, it's it's she's taking for granted there will always be a producer class, and those sneakers, those twenty pairs of sneakers you need, will always be at the store, and all of the various people who went into producing those sneakers will all will continue to work. It, right. This is this is what we've talked about previously, which is this this confusion between the metaphysical and the man-made that like. The things that you want, most of the things that you want, even need, are man-made. They're not metaphysically existent. Uh, and so uh, t- to get them, someone needs to produce them. Someone needs to do the work. Um, but there is this weird idea of that she's got, which is they can they cannot have to rely on wages or jobs. They can just get stuff, uh, which is toddler-like. It's, it really is childish. I, I, I know that just sounds like... A weird thing. It's just childish. It's it's a fantasy. Okay. That's looting's most basic tactical power as a political mode of action. It also attacks the very way in which food and things are distributed. I I love the intellectual rigor of the use of the word things. It also attacks the way in which food and things are distributed. It attacks the idea of property. Yes, it does. She's right. It attacks the idea that in order for someone to have a roof over their head or have a meal ticket, they have to work for a boss in order to buy. You actually don't. You could start your own business. In order to buy things that people just like them somewhere else, make somewhere else in the world had to, had to make under the same conditions. It points to the way in which that's unjust. What is the way in which that's unjust? doesn't say and the reason that the world is organized that way obviously is for the profit of the people who own the stores and the factories now that's straight up marxism that's this idea that uh the owner of the factory is has no uh responsibility or credit for the creation of the factory now of course if it's uh if it's stone, uh oh, Carrie left, which I assume means that uh, she's switching direct meter. So, where was I? Oh, the ownership of the factories. So, this is true. It, ah, Carrie's back. Hold on. Uh, hold on, Carrie. <sighs> Sorry, guys. It's going to take me a second to answer this call for some reason. Okay, I think Carrie's back. Carrie, you back? Yeah. There she back. is, okay. in all of her glory. Okay. Um, all right. There. What was I saying? Oh, did this is a Marxist you were thing? Saying- yeah. About the, like, where does the factory come from? They, there's an assumption that the owner of the factory just like is arbitrarily the owner of the factory, which maybe is semi true if you have a if you're talking about kind of an aristocracy where things. 
uh, where, you know, people didn't have freedoms at all. And uh, a king just, you worked for king, you were a serf and you worked for king and they just gave stuff to people. But that's not the world that we live in. And factories are there uh, precisely because the person that built them took risk and generally had some ingenuity persons or people, generally it's not just one person. Um, and there's this, there's this denial, it, there's this stupid, this the kind of, how do I want to say this? This is this obsession with the concrete. Like they look at you pulling a lever in a factory and they're like, oh, it's the act of pulling a lever which adds value. Like, no, it's the person who designed what the lever does and the machine, like, that's what adds value. Your muscles aren't the primary thing that adds value. It's viewing, it's viewing men and women as uh, primarily musculoskeletal devices where their minds are irrelevant. So intellectual labor, what the, the, the horrible thing about Marx, one of the horrible things about Marx is he eradicates the concept of intellectual labor as valuable. He, he ignores the fact that the intellectual labor had to go in to creating a factory, and he ignores the fact that that's so much more valuable than the contraction of a muscle to do a thing, to do it, to perform a task that someone else taught you to perform because they figured it out. Anyway, all right, so. Well, and the other thing is that this ahead. person says that the world is organized this way just so this like the evil, greedy people who own things and own companies can make a profit. Well, it's organized so that people can make a profit, absolutely, but it's also organized so that we can all have access to a marketplace and get what we need. That's, it. It's a, she's again, ignoring the fact that if you want those sneakers, there, there are several companies that provide them for you and a whole network of people that work that go, that, you know, countless people that go into making that one pair of sneakers that you want. Oh, I'm sorry, that you need <laughs> so that it's there for you to have, for you to buy. That's right. What do you, how are you going to go get those sneakers other, if, if everyone just stops producing and says they don't want a job and they don't want to rely on a wage in this fantasy world. Again, you are, this person is just taking for granted that there will all be always be those who are exempt from this, who will have to work so that you can get the things that you want, AKA need. Yeah, there's also an, an implicit assumption that you think profit is evil. And I know a lot of people on the left do view profit as an evil thing, uh, but um, <clears throat> profit, can in a free let's just talk about in a free market sneakers are relatively free so sneakers are a good example right um profit is a measure of how much value in the eyes of other people you have contributed that's what profit is it's just it's just like if i make a life-saving cancer drug <laughs> and make a lot of money it's because y'all want to pay it because paying the money is better than dying of cancer. And I've I've really contributed a lot of value to the world. If I... You've contributed something of high... You've produced something of high value. That right. the marketplace Even if I make decides, a pair of sneakers. This is valuable. Right. right. I make a pair of sneakers that's And cool. sometimes... By the way, sometimes the market, I think, because as you've said before, we get what we demand. And right. sometimes the market makes weird decisions like the market decides that justin bieber's music is of high value 
and that concert tickets are expensive and Justin Bieber makes quite a profit off of something that I don't really understand, but the market has decided it's valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Carrie, can you angle your camera down a little bit? So your head is up higher in the frame. You're kind of low. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 uh, we, I, we do have to remind people, right, that the, the free market doesn't doesn't reward the best. It rewards what people want. And so, you know, when you're going to complain like, oh, how, you know, how could the free market do blah, 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 it's bad. It's like, well, no, that's just what people want. You might not agree what, with what people want. I often don't agree with what people value. <laughs> I'm with you on that. But they value it. And that's that's that. That's the end of it. All right. So, um, all right. So, the Prophet, let's, let's go back to this article. Let's see here. Dun, 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 dun. All right. So, so she says, so you get to the heart of that property relation and demonstrate that again, this is, here we go. This is the toddler shit <laughs> without police and without state oppression. We can have things for free. We can have things for free. Okay. Why? Well, where do they, where do they come from? Where do they, where do the sneakers come from? They, well, they're I, a sneaker tree where we can all just go pick them for free. Right. I actually technically agree with her. You do not need a state oppression to have things. Um, and you pro- maybe you don't even need the, the police in their current instant. Like you don't, you don't need that, but that's not what she means. She means you don't need property rights, right? And you can't have things for free without property rights. Because property rights are necessary. They're, a, they're an extension of individual rights. You don't have a right to life if you can't keep the property. Like if you, if you plant a seed, if you have the right to life, that, needs to, that, that necessarily means that you need to be free to act to create your life. And so if you go plant a seed in the ground and say, well, I know I'm going to eat later. I'm going to need to eat. So I'm going to plant some seeds and grow some stuff. Uh, and then someone says, well, you have a right to your own life. But whenever your stuff uh, grows out of the ground and is ready for harvest, I'm just going to steal it. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> then <laughs> your right to life isn't being actually honored at all. You because you need your the right to life isn't an abstract like you have the right to life on paper in some abstract you know fantasy world. You have a right to life here on Earth where things actually need to happen here on Earth. Like you need to be able to do things and keep the product of your labor. Um, property rights are an extension of that. So uh, I think what she's saying here actually is uh, she's making this case that, hey, we can just have things for free. If we don't have property rights, it's it's just communism. If we don't have property rights. There'll still be all this stuff. Everyone will go on producing massively, but we'll just we'll just have it all for free, which is I, 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 it's hard How? to believe that this is even – I can't believe that this is even a an opinion that needs to be debunked in 2020. I don't, I don't get how I dumb you have to be the, to get to think that, that this is real. Go ahead. I can't believe that NPR is not asking more critical questions, practical questions. How, well, that can I you believe. please explain this? <laughs> All right. 
Importantly, I think, especially when it's the context of black uprising, like the one we're living through now, it also attacks the history of whiteness and white supremacy. This is a fun one. She says, the very basis of property in the U.S. is derived through whiteness and through black oppression. Now, obviously, this isn't true. Um, we just talked about where that concept of property predates the U.S. English common law um, had property. <laughs> like Many cultures have had concept of property rights. It has nothing to do with whiteness uh, and oppression. However, I was like, this isn't a link. She's going to cite something. This is interesting. Let me see them make the argument that the very basis of property in the U.S. is derived through whiteness and through black oppression. I want to see the argument, so I clicked on this. And I didn't read the, I didn't read the whole paper, obviously, but I did read the abstract here. And um, that's actually not even what this paper says, in the, according, to the, <laughs> according to the abstract. Oh, wow. This paper okay. says that... Um, First of all, Professor Harris contributes to this discussion by positing. I love, like, the non-science stuff is just so funny because they write these papers all in all academic language. But, you know, this phrase, Professor Harris contributes to this discussion by positing that, that just means I thought of some, th I made up some stuff. I posited some things. That's the, like, now it's, now it's going to be cited as, like, this person thinks that. That's not an argument. In like real science, they posit something, test it with results, and then say, oh, it worked or it didn't work. And here's like, no, no, no. They, 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 there's I no empirical this, evidence Carter, here. Let Just me, positing. Let me interrupt for a second. I think this goes back. You can trace this back to the popularity of Peggy McIntosh and white privilege. Because mm. white privilege has become such a ubiquitous phrase from the social justice world, social justice ideology. And if you look at where it originated with this very wealthy white woman, it's academic, who wrote this paper that was that was not very academic, it, where she was just positing things. And it, it's the knapsack paper where she's saying these are the ways in which I think I'm probably privileged as a white person and then just listing her opinion. Right. And, what if this? And that's become so common. Yeah, that's become so common that now I think, you know, when people talk about how even peer-reviewed papers have have just become full of nonsense, it's I think you can trace a lot of this back to some of the the first um, social justice proponents who great who gained a foothold and who made a name for themselves really by by coining terms that stuck and and right. those terms not being, you know, back when that paper came out in the 80s, it should have been eviscerated then. It should have been put to bed then, but now it's some kind of canon. And yeah. even in this paper, where they, when they refer to whiteness, what does that mean? Is that a scientific word, whiteness? Right. Well, and yeah, and not to get, go down a rabbit hole, but it's because in academia, they've been allowing philosophers to just say whatever they want for a century. Make, they just pause, all they do is pause it. And, and there's no, they're never held to any rigorous critique. So uh, the, the whole, the whole, the cancer has been spreading. Anyway, this paper, just as an aside, the point of this paper is that, is to say that the concept of whiteness as property persists in current perceptions of racial identity. Basically, this paper is saying like, oh, um, whiteness kind of became property to be traded and used. Like what, having having whiteness was like having property. That seems to be the point of this paper, which is different than the the claim here that the basis of property is 
whiteness and black. But no, I didn't read the whole paper, so maybe. But come on. Okay. Anyway, looting strikes at the heart of property of whiteness and of the police. It does. It does strike at the heart of property. That is true. Um, I don't know what whiteness is, and I, I does it strike at the heart of the police? I, they don't seem to care. But okay. It gets to the very root of the way those three things are interconnected. It also provides people with an imaginative sense of freedom and pleasure that helps them imagine a world that could be. Look, Let's I hate just to keep, go back to your Jeffrey Dahmer. I was going to say, I hate to be, I, was, I, was gonna, I don't want to keep bringing up Ted wait, Bundy or whatever. Yeah, but wait, Ted Bundy. Yeah. Look, <laughs> murder, serial murder just, um, you know, provides Ted Bundy with an imaginative sense of freedom and pleasure and helps him imagine a world that could be. Right. You could you could take I I like this serial killer. <laughs> uh, I like the serial killer test. This yeah. should be a test. Could you take these arguments and use them to excuse something else like serial murder? Then maybe that's not a good argument to use to excuse <laughs> looting. Yeah. If it could be used in that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, think of all like yeah, lots of sick people have imaginative senses of freedom and pleasure doing sick things. Um and I think that's a part of it that doesn't really get talked about, she says, that riots and looting are experienced as sort of <laughs> joyous and liberatory. So, again. Okay, again. It's the experience, there lived evil, experience. Uh, there, are lots of, there are lots of evil behaviors. There are lots of evil behaviors that could be experienced by the person committing them as joyous and liberatory. The, the fact that you experience something as joyous doesn't make it morally righteous or good or ethical. Unless, it, Carrie, it, there's no it's, objective it's reality. It's an absurd argument. Unless there's no objective reality and lived experience is, is uh, valid epistemologically. Right. <clears throat> Here's how philosophy works, guys. <laughs> this is where it goes, right? Turns into these kind of articles on NPR. So then actually, I think this actually get we don't have to keep going through this too much, but there's some interesting stuff after this because this author, um, Vicki Osterweil, actually makes some arguments that I don't think comport with what many mainstream leftists want to be made about the riots. They, they might have been excited up until this point, but there's some interesting things that happen. Um, so the question is, what are some of the most common myths and tropes that you hear about looting? One of the myths, she says, is that there's an outside agitator. Nope, it's not outside agitators. It is the people. Okay? Another trope that's very common is that looters and rioters are not part of the protest. They're not part of the movement. No, they are. They are part of the movement. <laughs> this, is why, this is where I started to go, wait a minute. Is this just a big prank? I don't, maybe. I don't know. Um... No. <laughs> yeah. So I just like that uh, this person. Well, well, here this person feels so she feels so positive about and has just spent the first half of this interview defending and saying I'm here to defend looting and writing. Mm -hmm. Then why would they? Why would they take the easy way out and try to pretend like these are outside agitators or try to pretend like they're not part of the movement. That's what, that's what she is here for is to say looting and rioting is a good thing because it makes you feel joyous. Right, it and should because be part you of can movement. take things for free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're, they're she's claiming that it, the people, people say they're not part of the movement and they say they're outside agitators in order to make it, um, to make the protest 
be like to kind of put the protest, put, put a fence around the protest basically and be like, oh, you can do these things, but you can't do these other things because then you're not part of the protest basically. Um, can I, can she, I talk she addresses about your problem. the next paragraph? Like, yeah, she addresses your thing right here. Paragraph here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. No. Um, so another one is that looters are just acting as consumers. Why are they taking flat screen TVs instead of rice and beans? Like if they were just surviving, it would be one thing, but they're taking liquor. Now, if you notice, she doesn't answer that question. So this is a, she's saying this is a trope, but she doesn't answer it. She doesn't explain why they're taking flat screen TVs instead of rice and beans. Right. There's no answer there. It, she just says uh, they know what they're doing and that the history for the movement for liberation is full of looters and rioters and that they've always been part. Of, she re- reiterates that she thinks looting and rioting has always been a part of this so-called resistance movement. But there's no answer there as to why if they know what they're doing and, and if this is about surviving, why are people looting, uh, you know, why are they looting things that they don't that are not necessities? Well, I can explain, though, because the riots and looting are experienced as joyous and liberatory, Carrie. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not too much more I want to go through, but let's, let's just read a highlight here. She says, in terms of potential crimes that people can commit against the state, it's basically nonviolent. She's talking about looting. It's basically nonviolent. Your mass shoplifting. Most stores are insured. It's just hurting insurance companies on some level. It's just money. It's just property. It's not actually hurting any people. So this, unless this person doesn't understand how insurance works, uh, this is obviously dishonest, right? Um, And again, it gets back to this. It's just property. It's just money. Um, If you hear someone say it's just property, it's just money, run screaming, because what they're saying is, it's just your life. That's what they're saying. She's saying, well, it's not actually hurting people. It's just, I'm not hurting you. I'm just taking, I'm just violating your rights. I'm just taking stuff that belongs to you, including your money, right? The guy that we talked about the other day, 40 years of uh, business that had been burned to the ground. Oh, it's just money. It's just your property. Oh, oh, you were planning on raising a family? With that and putting your kids through college and, oh, you were planning on on using that to pay your mortgage? Uh, oh, it's just money. It's just money. It's just property, right? No big deal. Again, there's this disconnect between uh, – she's trying to make property rights as such uh, invalid. And that's that's the scariest thing to me because property rights are individual rights. They are individual rights. Um by the way, property rights, for those of you who don't like to get raped, property rights are the reason that you shouldn't get raped because your body is your property. <laughs> like, you own your body. <laughs> Therefore, it's no one else's and it's completely yours and you get to do what you want with it, as you should. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Okay. To say you're attacking your own community is to say rioters, you don't know what you're doing. So she's also arguing against this people saying, hey, stop, because you're attacking your... So the, the, the person who asked the question says, hey, what about these... Ide- you know, what about this, this argument that like these are local businesses and blah, blah, blah. 
She said, no, 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 don't say that because that implies that they don't know what they're doing. But these communities totally know what they're doing. Leave them alone. Um, and then she argues against this idea that small businesses are good in any way. When it comes to small business, family-owned businesses or locally-owned businesses, they are no more likely to provide worker protections. They are no more likely to have to provide good stuff, good stuff for the community than big businesses. I don't know what good stuff means. It's a Republican myth. So she's basically saying small businesses are no better than big businesses, which, you know, actually there's some truth to that. Uh, businesses are businesses. But uh, she's, I would use that to defend both small and big, big businesses. She's using it to, she's trying to um, hijack the hatred for big businesses and apply it to small businesses. So actually, we should hate all businesses. I don't know where the sneakers are coming from then, but okay. Um, and then she says, this last one, I have heard a lot of talk about white supremacist, white anarchists who weren't part of the movement, but they just came in to smash windows and make a ruckus. Again, she's saying this isn't true. It's a classic trope. There's a reason that Trump has embraced the white anarchist line so intensely. It does a double service. It both creates a boogeyman around which you can stir up fear and potential repression, and it also totally erases the black folks who are at the core of the protests. So, I don't know, Carrie, is there anything else you want to cover on this particular article? No, I think we've beat a dead horse. We're done with this. All I right. just wanted to highlight this because I felt this is a good thing to if you're trying to make these arguments and you're starting to speak with people in your life about this ideology and why you think it's evil or flawed or whatever your word is for it um those who insist on on claiming it doesn't have roots in marxism and who need who can't make the jump but who can't see the analogy between saying something is, you know, Marxism all was, was about viewing the world as a struggle for uh, wealth among class groups. And then this new kind of Marxism is about identity. It's a struggle for, it's a struggle for power among identity groups. If you're dealing with someone who can't make that jump, who can't see how it's the same framework, they just substitute power for money. They substitute identity for class. And they need something that's specifically about class or specifically about property rights, or they need someone to blatantly say, I am a Marxist. <laughs> this is something to <laughs> add to your, our, yeah, this is something to add to show them and say, what do you think about this? Right. Here's a social justice advocate who's explicitly saying we need to redistribute property. We need yep. to endorse looting and rioting and breaking all laws and, and because it feels joyous when I do it and I want to live without having to work and I want to get things for free. And that's the world that I envision that's equal and property is whiteness. Show this right. to your, your friends, ask your white friends who uphold this ideology if they think that property should be done away with. Can I come into your home? Can I eat your food? Can I take it for free? Can I come sleep in your bed? Goldilocks and the Three Bears. <laughs> well, not my home, but my business, apparently. Yeah. Uh, they, they, she, yeah. She draws a Can weird I... distinction between home and business, and I don't know why. Of course, well. She does, but you know where this goes, just like with everything. They do um, a lot of slippery slope arguments, just like they did with when they tried to say, hey, we're separating gender from sex because we're only attacking right. 
um, gender. We're only saying that gender is socially constructed and not sex. They, tamp- and they, they get plan you to, to slide down that. that slippery slope as soon as right. they can. Right. They get you to accept that and then they move forward and they say, okay, now we're saying biological sex is also socially constructed and here's why. And they kind of move the goalposts. And um, so this person is drawing a distinction in the home. Well, that's arbitrary. That's one person writing this, drawing the distinction. Do you think if we lived in a culture that she envisions where suddenly um, it's okay to go into businesses and steal whatever you want – that that that's not going to get we're not going to blur the lines and move into home invasions. How well, is that? I mean, how do you stop that from happening? And once you've once you've created a culture where you don't believe in property and you believe that you should be able to get whatever you want for free and that property is whiteness. How do you put the brakes on people then saying, hey, I'm going to go I'm going to go move in that white family's home there. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I mean, I, to me, yeah. there's not re- I mean. It's not much worse. The home's not much worse than the business. I mean, plenty of no. people, their business is their livelihood. So, um, in fact, I bet there's some small business owners who would rather you loot their home than their business. Because um, their home's mm. got some clothes and TV and whatever, but, like, their business is their livelihood. Um, but the thing that, the thing that concerns me about this attitude is, other than just how abhorrent it is... <sighs> I don't know that they'll leave us alone. Like, I would like to say, well, you guys go off to your area and practice your all your great political ideas. Her, Have your utopia. And we're going to go they over don't here. Believe in, they don't believe in areas. Right. Right. <laughs> we're going to go over here and we're just, we're just going to do our thing over here. I don't think they would respect those boundaries at all because I think they would be like, well, no. you can't have you can't have a state where you do your thing because – you can't have property. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that should scare people because it means that they don't even want, they, they're not even willing to have a separation between us and them. They literally need to destroy us. They need to destroy us to their vision requires destroying you. That's what it requires. Yeah. They can't let you go off into, you know, you can't go to the free state, New Hampshire or whatever it is and have a little libertarian utopia. They won't allow it because you have well, property rights. Because I also think it's not just that they don't believe in property. And I think this this belief system seeks the destruction of everything, as we've talked about, seeks the destru- destruction of Western civilization. That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody who's speaking it, you know, the people in your life, your friends and family who speak it, they don't necessarily want to destroy everything. That's why some of those people are you can reach because they haven't thought out what this belief system is really about. They haven't made some of the necessary connections that you need to make to understand where this goes. And so you can expose this belief system for what it really is to some of those people. Yeah. But there are other people like the person who wrote this piece, for example, who I think know exactly what this is. And who do seek the destruction of everything. And I think at heart, they're probably fueled a lot by nihilism, by a sense of meaninglessness, um, uh, probably some maybe hedonism, because because look at what they're using to justify this. It makes me feel joyous. Wow, lots of awful things can make you feel joyous. Um, and, and, and I think that there's also a desire 
it's not just that the, the people who know what this is, it's not just that they don't believe in property and they won't allow you to go, they won't allow us to have our own place where we don't practice Marxism. It's also that they have a, a, a really strong desire to control everyone. They have to tell you that you must adopt this, their beliefs. They're fundamentalists. They won't leave you alone because they're fundamentalists and they want control over you. Yeah, I, I do think that, I do think it is, fundamentally, I think they're just unhappy nihilists. I think they just, I think that these people, if they have to burn down with society, that's okay with them. Yeah. I think, I think they just want the destruction and if it comes at their own expense, even they're willing, they're suicide bombers intellectually. They're just suicide bombers. Um, they're willing to just destroy themselves as long as, uh, as long as they can destroy the world. And, you know, I know that this, this word is overused a lot and this language is overused and I typically don't like it, but I'm going to, I'm going to use it in this case because it's usually used the other direction. Talk about a hateful ideology. It's the most hateful outlook you can have on life is, is this desire to eradicate, uh, everything eradicate private property just like it's a it's a it's a it's an ideology it's not even an ideology it's a psychological perspective really fueled by hate and resentment and probably a lot of self-loathing um so th that's why you see a lot of miserable people doing this but um it's it's scary because they have so much power and influence right now um it's like the insane the, the inmates are running the asylum um but but I think pieces like this, I'm actually kind of grateful that NPR did this and interviewed this person because, again, I think it, some people need the Marxism right in their face mm -hmm. to be able to see it. And am I happy that they're using taxpayer-funded money to push ideas like this? No. But I'm I'm sort of happy. One of, one of my hopes is that this my old ideology ramped up so quickly that it used the death of George Floyd to ramp up and accelerate so fast that it's going to wake up a lot of people who otherwise would have been the, the slow boiling frog if it had just mm. continued along at the pace it was at before. And yeah, so I, now I, you have NPR conducting uh, interviews like this in all seriousness right. and not asking any critical questions. So what's that going to do to the, I think the average person who reads this is going to scratch their head and start to think, yeah, but I I, ass Maybe. I assume that they're doing this. This is the other scary thing, not to be total pessimist, but I assume that they're doing this because they feel like they can, right? I, f I assume that they're, they take their mask off because they've, like, <laughs> you're tied up and in the basement. Now I take my mask off because, like, mm. I'm going to kill you. You're never going to be able to identify me anyway. Like, I've gotten away this far. Now I can take my mask off. Uh, yeah. That'll be a great clip. Go ahead, Beverly. Uh <laughs> yeah, but I think they I think they're wrong. I think it, I hope they're wrong. Yeah. I'm yeah. a fan of I'm a fan of horror movies. They think that <laughs> that, that it's safe to be open and overt about what this belief system is now, yes. but I think they're wrong. I think we're going to escape the basement. So I hope so. Anyway, let's yeah, let's, yeah, let's move do on. Some what, super what else did you want to talk about today? We should do okay. some super chats because we're very far behind on super chats. Um, okay. All right, Mary Little. Mary Little says, thank you, Mary Little. She says, yes, I have so many videos of news reports, too. They update the articles. The original issue disappears. I have learned to document as I go. Yeah, she's referring to the, the thing early in the show. I need to start doing that better. 
Um, cause I didn't realize it until the first one was down or first couple started to come down. I was like, Oh crap. And I, I went and did a video of the one that was still up. Um, Blackbeard, uh, thank you, Blackbeard. He says, I've been a little more blackpilled lately. I just don't see how things play out with some kind of, without some kind of civil war. Thoughts? Okay. Don't ahead, let Claire. Carter answer this one. <laughs> I'm going to answer whether you like it or not, but I'm going to let I'm you answer kidding. first. <laughs> uh, I don't think we, I look, I'm like you, I get it. Demoralization is happening. I think that we might, it might come to some type of war i hate to call it a civil war but i also i also think like i said i'm hopeful that they push things too far too fast and that the silent majority is going to start to recognize this for what it is and thoroughly reject it and there are people out there who are making me very hopeful like casey peterson at cindia labs uh, who we're going to talk to later today people who are saying this is a bad belief system and it's causing lots of damage and it's actually costing us lives. His first video where he exposed what they're showing at Sandia, he laid out how this critical race theory, social justice ideology, whatever you want to call it, is killing people and it's disproportionately killing the very people that it claims to be interested in speaking for and protecting so-called marginalized communities. So for example, he laid out very factually in that video uh, just as an aside, he showed how because of this this false narrative that's being pushed about uh, an epidemic, a pandemic of unarmed black people being killed at the hands of police, which is just not true. But because this is being pushed and you've, we've seen what Heather McDonald calls the Ferguson effect, where police are pulling out of communities now and they're being less likely to police or to intervene and homicides have gone up. I think in Ferguson, it, it jumped 2000 murders in a span of two years, just because the cops are moving out of these neighborhoods. And it, when you poll uh, people about the level of police presence they want in their neighborhoods, black people were like 81% of black people want the same amount of police presence or more in their neighborhoods. Black Lives Matter don't speak for them. Social justice ideologues don't speak for them. And so I have, anyway, I'm getting a little off subject, but the fact that he lays these, he lays it out, he makes the case, he backs it up with statistics. He says, this is what's wrong with this ideology. Here's how it's actively killing people and and disproportionately affecting the, the communities it claims to represent and to be concerned with. I think if you if we have a lot more Casey Petersons doing that and whatever if if it's being pushed in their company and their church and their school, um, you know, it, if they start to speak out and they start to make their case rationally and with empathy, he he makes it with compassion. Um, that that we have a chance of squashing this. I think we do have a chance of squashing it without a civil war. That's my long answer. I'm gonna give a short answer. We're already in a low level civil war and it's gonna get worse. All right. <laughs> the end. <laughs> um, very little. Okay, I did. I did think of something. I was hiking yesterday. I just have to say this one thing, Carter. Oh, okay. I know. <laughs> okay, so I was hiking, and I guess being in Texas, I'm just maybe the uh, attitudes culturally there haven't changed as much yet. So I definitely see people wearing masks outside, but not that many. If you go hiking, you don't see people wearing masks. Real, maybe maybe ten percent of the people. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so yeah, I, I realize now after texting with you that it's pretty normal to see that in California. Well, well, so where I was hiking, I'm I'm traveling right now, and it was on this beautiful hike outdoors, like way away from civilization, and you see people randomly, and they're all in their own groups. It's not like it's packed or crowded. But for some reason, there are a lot of people wearing masks outside here, at least 50%, maybe more. And it was really shocking to me. And, and then I had this dark thought. It's just a humorous thought. It's just to, anyway, I was, I was thinking, you know, for all the people that are saying if we have a second civil war, what would that look like? And you can't easily um, decide, you can't easily determine which, who, who's on what side, because it's not easily marked by geography, like the North versus the South, right? It's not easily, uh, it's not, it's not easy to tell who's on your side. How would a civil war play out when you don't know what people's beliefs are, right? And everyone's spread out. And so then I was thinking a very rough way of deciding might be just whether, you know, the people who wear masks outdoors versus the people who don't wear masks outdoors. Like, do you think that's a good, roughly speaking, could I judge, can I judge your attitudes and your beliefs if you're wearing a mask outside? If you're uh, wearing a mask outside gardening by yourself in your own front yard? <laughs> I got in trouble, not in trouble, but I, I said this on Twitter, sarcastic, jokingly the other day, and there are people who took it very seriously and got mad at me, but I said, uh, if you, cause I've, I said this after seeing someone do this, I said, uh, People who wear masks while sitting alone in their car shouldn't be able to vote. <laughs> and, I saw that. And like some people are like, I, I, my friend or whatever, my brother is an EMT and blah, 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 he wears a mask for whatever reason to not contaminate the steering wheel. I don't know what it was. Uh, but people got very upset about that. Uh, little do they know, I don't think most of us should be voting. But that's a separate issue. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But I I, I, I I was thinking about it. I'm like, wait, who's wearing a mask out here on yeah. a hike? It's bad. Anyway, it's bad in California. All right, another one from Mary Little who says videos have written news articles. No rules for e-journalism yet. Hey, we don't have any rules. Whatever. You know what I would rather do, Mary? I would rather uh, I would rather sit down and write an article as a response to this, but no one will read it. <laughs> so we talk instead. Uh, all right. Cemetery of choice. Thank you, Cemetery. Cemetery says, hand shot first. Yeah, but he was justified because he was already, he was already being, uh, force was already brought into the equation by Guido. He knew that Guido was going to take him in forcefully. So, uh, yeah, he shot first. That's fine. Let's see. <laughs> Without any more Star Wars. Sorry, scrolling is going to take a minute. We've got so much going on in chat today. I like how somebody said, well, sometimes you just forget about the mask. That's true. I was going in and out of true. shops yesterday in this town, and I would sometimes, I was forgetting to take mine off outside too, and I'm like, wait, why am I? But I, it, 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 I still think it's kind of odd when you're outdoors. Uh, channel, uh, yeah, Channel Julio says, do you think the Sons of Liberty were stuffing their pockets with tea as they dumped cases of tea into the Boston Harbor? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were looking for some shoes and some tea, you know. Uh, I, I don't think they were. I don't think they were. But, 
Again, you justify looting because you want more looting. I mean, think about what the goal of this article is, right? It's it's justifying looting for a reason. You got to ask why. Why is she writing a book about this? Because she wants more. She wants more looting. She wants more uh, more of this to happen. So uh, you can make of that what you will. All right, let's see. Sorry, scrolling takes a while. Here we go. Another one from Channel Julio. My last super chat was rhetorical. Yes, yes, we know. The Sons of Liberty also believed in small R Republican virtue. Joe and his sidekick, Julio. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. Let's see. I'm trying to find some of these so I can help you. Okay, next one. Digital Man 2112. I did listen to Tom Sawyer uh, earlier this morning while in the car, and I thought of you. Digital Man 2112. So there you go. Uh, I swear by my life and my love of it that I will never live for the sake of another man nor ask another man to live for mine. Uh, I don't think Carrie's read the book yet, but I love that. So thank you for sharing. Richard Petz. Richard Petz, thank you, Richard. Richard says, hi, you guys. A little late to the live stream due to working. I know I should have been out looting, but yeah. You know, if you cared about, <laughs> if you cared, if you had empathy, you would be stealing some sneakers and TVs. So join, join the Marxist revolution, Richard. Next one is from Steve. Thank you, Steve. Steve Rochester says, five years ago, I had an intern who said as a socialist, he shouldn't need to work and the group should do his work. It didn't end well for him. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be his last day of internship for me, Steve. <laughs> ah. <laughs> this is what we're, I, again, I just, I kind of just wish we could separate. I, I just want to tell these people, try it. It's a great idea. Go do your idea. Just leave me alone. Go try your idea. Enjoy. Mic drop. Thank you, mic drop. Mic drop says, first super chat. Love you guys already. I think too many people think that happiness is a right afforded by the constitution when it is the pursuit of happiness that is our right. Thoughts and thanks. Thank you, mic drop. Yeah. I mean, the, I agree. Con- the Constitution, I agree. yeah, yeah, the, the Constitution, the Constitution recognizes that rights exist a priori, like they're not functions of the government. The government doesn't grant rights. It recognizes them. That's one of the beauties of our founding documents. Not that there aren't problems with them, but one of the, the great innovations is this concept that you have rights morally, regardless of whether the king recognizes them or not. You've got rights. Uh, and the Constitution was written with the intent to force the government into respecting those rights and not violating them. It has failed, but uh, may- maybe I will say we have failed it. But yeah. Uh, Dancing with Consciousness. Thank you, Dancing with Consciousness. George Soros funds NPR. Not surprised. Yeah. I mean, he probably funds everything. He funds a lot of stuff. Um, but so do you, you fund NPR as well, assuming that you're a taxpayer in the U S cemetery of choice. Thank you. Cemetery of choice. Whiteness equals anything that allows you to accomplish anything worthwhile. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like a horribly racist conception that I think the KKK would agree with, right? They would, they would agree with this as we've said before, same definition of whiteness. Digital man, 2112 again, Carrie disappeared. Digital Man 2112 again says, oops, I'm going to put that back up. 
me, I'll shoot anyone breaking into my house. SJW, so you value your stuff more than you value somebody's life. Me, no. Someone values my stuff more than they value their own life. <laughs> yes. Very well put. Very well put. Uh, yeah, this th that's it's one of the biggest tricks that they play is to try and convince you that property and your right to life are not intrinsically intertwined philosophically. Your right to your own property and your life are philosophically in, uh, intertwined. The property right is a corollary to the, your right to life, um, which is why John Locke wrote in a quote that I did on Friday, which is why he wrote that if someone is going to um, steal your property, uh, if they're going to attack you to in, for the purposes of stealing your property, you have a right to defend yourself by killing them if necessary. All right. I, he probably, he actually made it sound like you could kill them even if it wasn't necessary, but I added the if necessary part. Uh, Kent Anu for Chuck. Uh, thank you, Kent. Kent says, Twitter pulled down nearly 2020 page. I forgot about that, but I did see that. I, is that is that real? Like, they, it's still down? Um, because I, that is amazing to me that they're forcing and actually someone asked me i think it was on twitter does this make me more interested in unity 2020 and i have to admit uh yes yes it does is twitter seeing something that i'm not seeing in unity 2020 because uh while i condemned it for not being uh principled and philosophical i'm surprised that twitter would ban it if they didn't notice some kind of fundamental principles that went against their uh, ideology. Blackbeard. Thank you, Blackbeard. Blackbeard says, I got in an argument, or, I think argument is what this should say. I got in an argument with my sister-in-law. She kept saying it's just property, but shockingly got mad when I asked if I could key her car. And I said, it's just property. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, don't worry. There's no consistency. It's again. I think I've said this before, but it's because it's not actually. It, it, there's there is no. Um, it's not a system of thought. It's not like an. It's not actually an ideology. It's a mental dysfunction. It's a psychological dysfunction. So there does, there's no need for consistency. Um, and when you expect it, you get disappointed. Uh, Dancing with consciousness. Thank you, dancing. Dancing says Karl Marx equals the OG millennial. <laughs> Maybe. I don't I don't want to be that harsh on millennials, but maybe. Uh, Christopher Robin. Thank you, Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin writes, Great work, guys. Keep it up or keep it coming. Is there a list of resources we can use to reference these links? Perhaps on your website. Thanks so much. Um, resources you can use to reference the links. Well, I'm not exactly sure what that question means, but yeah, on our website we do have like the kind of latest few videos featured we don't list all the videos on the website um and obviously on youtube all the videos are there and there's links and and every video has for most of the for like the links that we talk about in the video uh they are in the uh show notes in the video so those links are are there they get up you know within a few hours usually after the video they they get put in and then anything that was discussed in chat ninja kitty actually posts uh, a comment that has all the links in it that for stuff that was posted in chat or you know just interesting related stuff and that that comment is is pinned typically so it should be easy to find uh, let's see oh carrie's back tax terra thank you tax terra tax terra says 
with the dismantling of property rights, when are the SJWs going to tell us that we are required to have sex with whomever wants to have sex with us? I think they're already saying that almost, right, Carrie? <clears throat> they do say this already. They say that your preferences, well, again, these things always start out more extreme within the social justice cult. Then they become more accepted within the cult itself, and then they get pushed into the mainstream. So for a while now, I would say the more radical part of the social justice cult has been saying that if you don't want to have sex with a trans person, for example, that you're a bigot. And imagine telling a, a lesbian that she has to have sex with a man, a biological man who says that they're a woman. Otherwise, she's a bigot. They're, it's like going full circle. You know, they used to, social justice people used to condemn anyone who said that a gay person um, needed to, uh, needed to convert or needed to go through some type of conversion therapy to become straight, but they go full circle. Just like they, they're now speaking white supremacist talking points, they're now telling lesbians they have to have sex with biological men, otherwise they're bigoted. Um, it'll but be, yeah, they're already doing that. It'll be unidirectional, right? It'll be down the oppression hierarchy, but not up the oppression hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. So it'll be like, if, if, if someone, um, or maybe, strike that reverse it, whatever. But if someone on the lower on the oppression hierarchy wants to have sex with someone higher on the oppression hierarchy, they must do it. But the reverse won't be mm -hmm. true. Um, that's my prediction. Your guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, K Soleil. Uh, K says looting and violence are modern versions of spoils of war, pillaging and raping, but lands are now different economic, social, etc. levels of society. Yeah. Yeah. That's a and great observation. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2A self-defense law says, uh, got the end of the Rittenhouse talk. Carrie, you said it, you're projecting just because you have a gun doesn't mean you want to kill. To get into use of a force event, he brought a med kit too. Look, I... I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying I agree with the people who who say that there is a personality type that seeks conflict, and I think he might be one of those people. I don't understand why that's controversial. I didn't say it's bad for him to show up there to protect the business. Right. I said he has a personality type that seems to seek conflict. There are those of us who do that. Right. Another one from 2A Self-Defense Law says, uh, thank you, 2A Self-Defense Law, 20 bucks, says... He didn't bring gun to Wisconsin. He was invited to protect car dealer and garages down the street. Yes, that's true. I spent the last 72 hours looking at the Kyle's innocent standard. Uh, men's Ray is the legal term. In his interview, he talks about... Uh-oh, sounds like there might be more, which I do not have. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know about the legal standard for um, self-defense, but I do know that... First degree is, is a hard, high standard. Oh, here we go. Here's the second half of this. More from 2A Self-Defense Law. Uh, he talks about protection and medical care. Even if we assume he was the initial aggressor, there is a legal justification. Wisconsin is a duty to retreat state, and that is what he did at the first crime scene and the second. He did retreat. It seemed like he retreated until he had nowhere to go. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Let Freedom Ring America. Thank you, Let Freedom Ring America. Uh, 
he or she says, these leftists are eventually going to start bombing government buildings and justifying mass killings. We are seeing the groundwork before our eyes. Maybe, maybe. I. Interestingly enough, uh, I would be more, well, I don't know if this is interesting. I guess it meets with my personality slash belief system, if you know me, but I would be more sympathetic if they were attacking specifically government buildings uh, and in in particular government buildings that represented the systems that they want to tear down. Now, I might not agree with them, but uh, at least it wouldn't be uh, random, uh, you know, animal behavior of just like nihilism, just destroying and looting. At least it would be targeted and like, this is the thing that we want to destroy and we're going to go after that thing. That at least has... There's, you can respect that a little bit more than we're going to burn down this coffee shop that's unrelated or this auto dealer or whatever. Um, but they're not. But they're not. They're 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 just. It's random violence. Uh, Brendan McWalters, uh, thank you, Brendan. I would argue a civil war is not possible until the military fractures into factions. Uh, being a meritocratic organization, I doubt any section of the military aligns with SUJ, but civil unrest isn't war. Uh, I think you're wrong about the military, unfortunately. I think it I think it can fracture, and there are segments of the military that align with SJW doctrine. It has been pretty prevalent in they're, the government. They're converging everywhere, yes. Yeah. And I'd ask your friends in the military if they've heard any social justice speak yet. My friends have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Daniel Morell. Thank you, Daniel. Daniel says, I prefer split screen. Gosh, Carrie got a preface. Okay, thank you. I read the, I read the complimentary one. There we go. Thank split you. Screen. We prefer split screen as well, but when she walks away, I took it off split screen. I put it back as soon as she came back so you could look at her pretty You face. know, I don't take offense to compliments anymore the way I did when I was a social justice warrior. You want to do the next one? Yeah, uh, I think I'm caught up. Wait a minute. Evan I had Ward. to scroll down again. Hold on. Evan Ward, CDC has admitted that 94% of bat flu patients who died had underlying conditions. <laughs> yeah, I've actually got that article pulled up that we could talk about that in a minute if you – I don't know. We, we can do it now or we can get through Super Chats and then do it. Um, L. Garcia, 499. Thank you, Al. Al says, I saw a video of people screaming Black Lives Matter, torturing and killing a baby raccoon to protest police brutality. Social justice warrior friends defended it. That is really disappointing. I saw that headline. A couple people shared that article. And at first I thought it was a Babylon Bee article because the headline said, you know, Black Lives Matter activists torture and kill a raccoon to say that we are being treated, black people were treated like animals. And I, I just, I really thought it was a satirical piece. Um, and then I realized it was real and I couldn't, I haven't been able, I'm not going to watch that. I don't know. I but um, it's very sad that your social justice friends are defending it. Well, is there nothing they won't defend? Maybe it made them feel joyous, experience joy <laughs> yeah, while they maybe, were killing, torturing and killing joy. this animal. Yeah. Um, it was Cemetery of choice. Liberatory. Cemetery of Choice, $5, says Tim McVeigh was protesting Ruby Ridge in Waco. If the, quote, current unrest, end quote, is legit, wasn't McVeigh legit as well? You know, that's funny. I was just thinking about the Unabomber, not Tim McVeigh, but someone else who felt justified in using violence and, in in, in his case, trying to kill people. Um, 
and you know, yes, you can use this kind of, that's why this argument is flawed. If you can take this argument and apply it to other things like that, it, it's not a good argument to say, hey, looting is justified because I feel joyous when I do it. Or looting is justified because, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I've got some good things that I'm uh, opposing here and that I'm on the right side of history. Well, the Unabobber had some very good points as well. The Unabomber's manifesto, if you haven't read it, he's right about a lot of things. Does that is that a good reason for for blowing up buildings and trying to kill people? No. <laughs> I mean, I would say it. Timothy McVeigh was more justified cuz at, at least he he went after a specific target for a specific reason. It was less random. I mean, he he killed a bunch of innocent people including children, so that's random and horrible. Um, I'm not justifying his behavior, but like by that by that logic, uh, he <laughs> he certainly it comports with the BLM logic. Absolutely, it, it's the same logic. Um, in fact, he would be more restrained by that logic because he's not he didn't randomly attack stuff. Uh, Kaczynski randomly attacked stuff, right? He like randomly sent bombs. I think is that right, Carrie? Yeah. All right. Um, I think we made it through the super chat. He randomly set bombs, but he specifically targeted um, a lot of prof- a lot of professors. Oh, okay. I, I'm not. Sure. I don't know the history of what he did there exactly. I just know that he was the the Unabomber. Unabomber. Um, oh, one more super chat. Uh, Revelator thirty seven. Thank you. Says hi, folks. Kindly keep the homeland in one piece. SJW has infiltrated military, but it's not fertile ground. Mm. Don't know. Oh, good. Well, I like that. Thank you. I hope you're right. We'll see. I, I obviously we hope you're right. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me just show you. Let me show you this. Let's let's do the COVID thing for a second because I've seen this going around, um, and people saying that the CDC has admitted that only six percent of COVID deaths are actually due to COVID. Um, there is there is something to look at here, um, because uh, there is something that does blow the narrative. I just want to be careful at how we phrase it, because they didn't say that only six people six percent of people died of COVID. It's that only six, and I, and I know that whoever just super chatted didn't say that either. I just for the people who um, who haven't been paying attention, it's that six percent of the people had comorbidity. So if you go down, so this is the CDC study or not study, their, their weekly update. And um, I've highlighted the, the two kind of interesting phrases here. For 6% of the deaths so far reported, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned. So 6%, it was the only cause mentioned. For deaths with conditions or causes in addition to COVID-19, on average, there were 2.6 additional conditions of causes per death. And this comes from this table. Um, let's see. It's going to take a second to load, but... Uh, anyway, oh, it comes from this table here. Yep, here's the table. Um, so total deaths, 161,000. So 6% means about 9,683 of these were only COVID. The rest of them had comorbidity conditions. So in a sense, this is it. this supports the idea that COVID is not 
as dangerous as they say. I totally agree with you uh, on that. They have been uh, over-hyping the seriousness of it. Uh, by the same token, um, most Americans have comorbidity conditions. So uh, I, over 10% of Americans have diabetes, um, which is one of the conditions here. 25,000 of these people had comorbidity of diabetes. Um, you know, you've got maybe a million people or so that have pneumonia, which is in this um, in this category here for respiratory diseases. So, yeah, I, I think we have been saying that this, if you are relatively healthy, COVID is a, uh, you're, you're unlikely to die from COVID. Um, but the fact is most people aren't, we- aren't healthy. <laughs> The the obesity comorbidity is an interesting one because Mm -hmm. that is specifically obesity is specifically something that that social justice ideology, uh, I think, arguably makes worse. Mm -hmm. They have advanced this whole idea of fat positivity, which, again, like a lot of things in this belief system, it sounds good. It starts off maybe in some cases with good intent. And then it goes to this place where it, it it is actually costing people, I would say it's costing lives because they've gone to a place where they're not just saying, hey, you shouldn't make fun of people, make people feel bad for, for being fat or being overweight. They've gone to a place where they're saying, hey, being fat and being obese is healthy. They're now pushing this idea that it's healthy, that it's there's no difference. You could be uh, – they even reject the idea of what's called a healthy weight. They even reject that. It's like right. there's no such thing as unhealthy when it comes to social justice ideology. There are science deniers. Right. They deny science when it comes to biological sex, and they deny science when it comes to obesity. And so we are not allowed, now that this is taken on, now that social justice ideology has become culturally dominant, one of the things you won't see them doing as often is they're not going to talk about the childhood obesity crisis as much as, as they used to. They're going to kind of ignore it while it continues to explode. Um, and they're not going to talk about how many news reports have you seen talking about the link between obesity and COVID? I haven't uh, really seen any. I've just seen statistics, none. but I haven't seen anyone talking none, about it. And, and as much Although as they in talk fairness, about, it was only 5,000 of the deaths had obesity as a comorbidity. So that was not a major oh. comorbidity for COVID. Um, but... But, but you're right. It's it is a comorbidity and it is unhealthy. Um, so and it is unhealthy, and the justification for a lot of the justification they give for the mask wearing and certainly for um, lockdowns and shutting down small businesses is, you know, it's for your own good. It's for right. the public good. It's for your health. It's for your good. They're not mandating. Can you imagine if they were saying, well, guess what? We're going to shut down McDonald's. It's for your own good. And it's for the health of the people in your life who, and it's for the health of your kids who you're feeding McDonald's to. And so so we're going to take this right away. We're going to take this choice away from you. No, they would never do that. They would never do that. And I I don't think they should do that. I think you should be allowed to eat whatever you want. But it's funny that they use that justification for some of the, some of the measures they support, the policy measures and the government intervention that they support when it comes to this virus, but not when it comes to, you know, factors that can lead to obesity. Right. Or diabetes. 
Well, and and this is this is the thing that we've seen with this virus that that's the biggest red flag is that you can't have an you can't have a rational conversation about it. You're not allowed to ask any questions about the narrative. If you have a doctor that has a different opinion or wants to discuss something else, they their videos get taken down from YouTube. Um, no one now like there, there's no open discussion about what the actual risks are. And this is, by the way, um, you know, you talk about them being science deniers. The whole idea that 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 there are obviously there are some things that are quote settled science like the earth isn't flat uh so i guess that's settled right in some sense but um the idea that so there's so many things that are settled and don't need to be examined uh is anti-scientific that's not how science works if there were actually evidence for flat earth like real scientific evidence that like ooh it looks like we've got something wrong, like then you would need to reopen that discussion and have the conversation about it um, because that's how science works. Um, this whole idea that like, oh, we can't talk about global warming is the obvious one. You can't have a discussion about global warming because whatever we've said about global warming and whatever we've said the political solution for global warming is, that's science and that's over and done with. We And... Similarly, can't have a discussion about mask wearing and COVID or COVID generally because that's science. It's done. Science is done. Science isn't done with COVID. And it's not clear. There's a lot of things that are unclear about COVID. And an actual science isn't something that science is something that you need to do personally. It's like you need to rationally make up your own mind, weigh evidence, have an opinion. Like that's science isn't picking your favorite science team and waving a flag and screaming at the other side, that's not science. And that's all the left does. And it's frankly, it's sometimes what the right does as well. But more, I see it more on the left as someone who's on neither side. But I, it's science isn't, I like these scientists, therefore you're heretics and my scientists are the, the high priests of science. That's not science. Science is having the discussion. Science is talking about evidence. Science is hearing someone out. If a doctor says, hey, I think hydrochloroquine and erythromycin together might be a prophylactic treatment for COVID, and here's my evidence. By the way, Carrie, you're like way off to the side. Can you move to the center of your camera? We can't see you. Um, like it's allowing them to have that discussion and bringing counter evidence, not banning them from CNN and banning them from YouTube and claiming that they just want to kill grandma. Anyway. <sighs> That's all I have to say about it, Carrie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I agree. I don't know. I don't know that we need to uh, do anything else today. I think we've gone almost two hours. I, I think yeah, we're good for today. Let's go. And you plugged book club at the beginning, right? I did, but we can plug it again. And I can mention that I did fix the date that I got wrong earlier. And I don't know. Again, I don't know if I said it wrong, but it's the 27th of September, which is uh, on the website. So you can go to unsafespace.com. If you want to join book club, you can send a email to speak at unsafespace.com and say, hey, uh, put me in the next book club. Um, and what there's I'm a really Facebook excited page about too. both. Of, I'm really excited about both of these books. You guys, so we tend to we tend to alternate between nonfiction and fiction. So we're currently doing um, Human Diversity by Charles Murray, which is great. I'm reading it now. Carter's reading it now. And then the Screw Tape Letters, which lots of people who watch have been sending me excerpts from and telling me about for a while and how it's really especially relevant right now. And I hope everyone gets a chance to read 
both or one, at least one and join us. Megan, <laughs> Megan D says, no, don't go. I'm entitled to more. Well, I'm glad millennials <laughs> are watching. I just have that to say. So um, <laughs> thank you, everyone. Carrie and I have other shows to do today as well, so we got to go to work on that. But um, it's been a pleasure. Please don't forget to go to Subscribestar to support the show. And, um, yeah, we'll see you on Friday, if not before. Later. Yep. Bye, Carter. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 95.6% probability that none of these people are real anyway. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Looting is a joyful expression of love. Computer voice, Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake. <laughs>